Good evening and welcome to E-Bible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight we'll be study number 12 of Revelation chapter 1. And we're continuing from our last study as we were discussing the shut door of heaven. We've been looking at the number 7 and we saw how God arranged things so that from the time he shut the door... In the days of Noah, when the flood came after a seven-day period in which Noah had to get the animals and, and his family and himself into the ark, then God shut the door on the 17th day of the second month. That 7,000 years from that date in the year 4990 B.C., which took us or, or did take us to the year 2011 A.D., And after an exact 23-year Great Tribulation period of 8,400 days, we found on the very last day of that Great Tribulation, May 21, 2011, that the underlying Hebrew calendar date was the 17th day of the second Hebrew month. Now, that would be just impossible to say it truthfully, It would be impossible for anyone to try and manipulate or to cause it to work out in that way. That the Great Tribulation would end on that particular day. But as we concluded our last study, we were looking in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13. And I want to begin reading this again from verse 24. Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able when once the master of the house is risen up and has shut to the door. There God is indicating on the day of judgment, there will be a shut door. And that's exactly what we have learned that May 21 was the end of the Great Tribulation and the beginning point of the Day of Judgment. And so we taught in the days leading up, that will be the day that God shuts the door to heaven. And we have taught in the days since, very consistently, that that was the day that God shut the door to heaven. We have not changed that teaching. We have consistently taught this For several years now, for years leading up to May 21, and now for uh, whatever time it's been since that date, that God shut the door. And it was an invisible door that no one could ever see when it was open, and it's an invisible door that no man can see once it's closed. But God tells us, he reveals this to us, From his word, the Bible. And that's how we see it or know it or understand it. Of course, we can't uh, know it from our physical eyes. Well, some people say you can't prove that. You can't prove that God shut the door to heaven, that there is no more salvation. That's just something you're saying to try and cover up that nothing happened. Well, people can say that and they do. But The child of God realizes 
that there's many things that the Bible teaches that we cannot see with our physical eyes. For instance, the Bible teaches that all men are dead in sin, that we have a spiritually dead soul. Can anyone see that with their physical eyes? If you follow the reasoning of people that say, well, you, you, you can't prove that Judgment Day was on May 21. Well, we can't prove it by sight, but we certainly can prove it by turning to many scriptures. And it's the same thing. We can't prove that man has a dead soul. You can't see a man's dead soul. But all we can do is go to the Bible and we can point out how God says that men are dead in trespasses and sins. And there it is. We we don't see it with our eyes. We see it through what the Bible says. And we, we believe God. Or how about God's judgment on the churches? God has taught us for several years now that the church age is over, that the Holy Spirit came out of the midst of the congregations, and that Satan entered in. Now, God's Spirit could never be seen uh, visibly when it was in the midst of the church. And Satan is also a, a fallen angel. He's a spirit being. You can't see him. You, you can't uh, prove through sight that he's in the churches. This is why the churches don't believe it. They, they look around and, and they see all is well. Our pastor preached a good sermon. Look, we have uh, a new version of the Bible in our pews. We have more people joining and giving is up this year. All is well. And they don't see that, no, it's a terrible desolation. That God has abandoned them and shut the door of heaven to the churches. And he did that way back in 1988. And for for over 20 years. 23 years of the Great Tribulation and now after. The churches don't recognize that. They refuse to acknowledge it. They deny it vehemently that God would forsake them. And yet the child of God understands, not by looking at the church. You, you can't, can't prove anything by looking outwardly at the churches or, or uh, even what they're teaching. There's always been some false gospels and false doctrine. That's what we look at is inwardly to the Bible. And from the Bible, can we prove that the church age is over? Yes, absolutely. God has multiplied all sorts of passages to prove as biblical evidence that he ended the church age, that his spirit no longer resides in their midst but Satan had entered in during the Great Tribulation to rule as the man of sin. And now we're after that period, but the churches are still a desolation. And we know these things not because we can prove it with our physical eyes, but because the Bible proves it. Now, why is it that a person, and, and some are, they're absolutely convinced that God has brought judgment on the churches, that the church age is over, and that they are not 
to go back to the church. They understand this full well, even though they can't see any of that. The, the churches are the buildings. Some of them are very beautiful. Well, the Bible says the Great Tribulation is a time when one stone shall not be left upon another. Oh, but that's spiritual language, you see. Oh, and the Bible says, woe unto them that give suck. And, and many horrible things are written about the end of the church age. Such terrible language that, that it's a time when, when women eat their own young. Oh, yes, but you have to realize the believer who understands these things tells people, God wrote the Bible as a parable. We have to look for the deeper spiritual meaning. And none of these things are literally going to happen. The church buildings won't fall down. The women won't cry because they cannot give suck to their children. The mothers aren't going to uh, cannibalize their own children. All that is figurative language to describe how awful a situation it is once God removes himself from the churches and ends the church age. Well, how can a person, a believer, understand all those things are spiritual and they can only be proved from the Bible and never, you can't prove a thing with your your physical sight or by looking outwardly at the congregations. And yet, when God takes the exact same cup and he, he refers to this in Jeremiah chapter 25, he says first he'll give the cup of wrath to the city called by his name and then following that, he will take the identical same cup and hand it over to the nations of the world and force them to drink. They will not go unpunished. If he has already punished the ones called by his name, the ones he has an intimate relationship with, the church, certainly the, the people of the world who uh, God has no such relationship with, will not go unpunished. They will drink the same cup. And yet, when it's pointed out from the Bible, here is where we went wrong. Here is where we need to make correction. It was a spiritual judgment. It was a judgment in truth. But it was spiritual, just like when God judged the churches. Just like when Christ was drinking of the cup in the Garden of Gethsemane, that also was a spiritual judgment. So, you see, we now have an answer for why things did not happen physically as we had thought. God is following the same pattern that he has established, actually, from the very beginning in the Garden of, of Eden, when he had told Adam and Eve, in the day you eat thereof, ye shall die. And then after eating, they did not fall down dead physically. As a matter of fact, Adam lived to be 930 years old before he physically died. But what happened was they died spiritually in that day. But God God didn't say that. He wasn't specific. He didn't say to Adam and Eve, in the day you eat thereof, you will die spiritually in your soul. He only said, you will die. And likewise, God was not specific concerning the day of judgment. We misunderstood. We thought, well, the world doesn't understand spiritual things. 
It, it must be we thought something like this. We, we understand God brought a spiritual judgment on the churches, maybe because the churches ought to understand spiritual things like that. But we just assumed that God will bring a complete physical judgment on the world so that they can see his wrath, maybe due to the fact that the world operates in the physical realm, in carnality, and, and they, don't, they don't understand spiritual things. Well, that was our error. No, God has continued bringing the same kind of judgment that we read about in the most major judgments that are found in the Bible. A spiritual judgment of the shutting of the door to heaven. And no, you cannot see it with your eyes. You can't prove it by looking outwardly at the world. We don't see any difference in the world, just like you wouldn't see any difference in the church after God shut the door there in, in many congregations. There there will be, undoubtedly, an increase in wickedness and, and madness in the world over the course of time. But for the most part, you cannot see it nor prove it. We only know it from the Word of God, the Bible. But, isn't that sufficient? Why is it sufficient to know that we have spiritually dead souls from the Bible? Why is it sufficient to know the church age is over from the Bible and, and no other way? And yet it is not sufficient somehow, say some, it cannot be proven that the day of judgment did come on the very day that God broadcast to the world. Well, since when is the Bible not sufficient and scriptures not able to confirm these kinds of things, to confirm a judgment? Most certainly the Bible is sufficient, and it's all that's necessary to prove that God brought about the day of judgment exactly as he said he would do. And he shut the door to heaven precisely as he declared would happen. But, you know, there's something else that God has written about that would happen once he shut the door to heaven, and that is disputation. Let's read, continue to read here in Luke 13, uh, verse 25. When once the master of the house is risen up and has shut to the door, and ye begin to stand without, and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. And he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not whence ye are. Then shall ye begin to say, We have eaten and drunk in thy presence, and thou hast taught in our streets. But he shall say, I tell you, I know you not whence ye are. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth when ye shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and you yourselves thrust out. Now here God is indicating when the door shuts on the day of judgment, there will be many seeking to enter in and they will not be able to and there will be uh, communication between God and them. They are going to try and convince God to open the door, 
and God is adamantly going to keep it shut. He will not open. The Bible says what God has shut, no man can open. It is an impossibility once the door shuts, and God has shut it. But men, being men, being sinners, and always wanting to be contrary to God's decrees and and to his will, now they are going to seek to enter into that door, and they are going to argue with God and try to convince God to open up the door, but God will not. And we find that it has been since May 21 of 2011, and since God's people have shared these things and taught from the Word of God that God did do as he said he would and shut the door to heaven, that there has arisen much contention and people have gotten very angry and very upset with the true believers who bring this information, who are continuing to act as doorkeepers, as faithful doorkeepers, and are only telling everyone exactly what the case is. It's not as if we shut the door. It's not as if that's under our control or our choice. That's the will of God. And all we can do is testify and share to what God has done. And he has sent word to the doorkeepers. The door is to be shut and not to be open. You are not to bid people any longer to enter in or to seek me that they might enter in. You may, and and this is still a wonderful privilege, you may tell them that they can come to me and and beseech me if perhaps I might have already have saved them while the door was open in the days before May 21. Or you may tell people that they can approach me, uh, as we read in the Gospel of Counts, when the Lord Jesus was drinking of the cup of God's wrath And he approached God, saying, All things are possible with thee, Father. May this cup pass from me. And therefore we can encourage people to go to God and beseech him that the cup might pass from them. Or we can pray for others for that very thing. But we are not to encourage people in any way, in the slightest way, that the door is still open or can be reopened, it is shut and it will never be open according to the Bible. And certainly no man can open it and, and definitely not lowly doorkeepers. That is out of our ability to perform. We cannot do it. We can only witness to what God has done. And notice that many will be gnashing teeth when this door shuts. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth when ye shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And that would be to the word see would be seeing in the scriptures or or knowing these things 
according as believers report them and individuals hear this report, it's as if they're seeing Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of God because those three represent the elect people. And all of the elect are in God's kingdom. They have all been saved. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God. Everyone whose name has been written down in the Lamb's book of life is present in the kingdom of God. And it is as though now the people outside of the door are seeing this as the elect left on earth, those who are alive and remain unto the coming of Christ at the completion of the day of judgment. They are sharing these things with them, and that's how they are seeing it. And in response, they are weeping and gnashing their teeth. Now, God gives us some insight into exactly what he means by gnashing of teeth in the book of Acts in chapter 7. When Stephen was able to share the gospel, to to share the word of God before the Jews. And it says in verse 51, Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost. As your fathers did, so do ye. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which showed before of the coming of the just one, of whom ye have been now the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the disposition of angels, and have not kept it. They listened to Stephen while he gave an account of Israel's history, all the way up until the point when God moved Stephen to convict the Israelites themselves to pronounce God's judgment upon them that they had always resisted the Holy Ghost. And once they began hearing things that were not pleasing to them, that were not flattering to them at all, that were hard and difficult things to hear. Now, we see the response in verse 54. Here's what happened once Stephen began to witness these kinds of things. When they heard these things... They were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven, and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God, and said, Behold, I see the heavens open, and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice, and stopped their ears, and ran upon him with one accord, and cast him out of the city, and stoned him. And witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet, whose name was Saul. They got so furiously angry with Stephen that they were cut to the heart by the word of God. God's word penetrated to them in a way that was very uncomfortable to them. And it evoked an anger, such a fury that they gnashed on him with their teeth. They were probably calling him heretic. They were calling him every ugly thing they can think of. They were saying, more than likely, as the scribes and Pharisees said of Jesus, that 
he was of Beelzebub. Certainly, they would have been accusing Stephen of being from another kind of gospel, uh, to put it in modern terms, a man that did not understand the truth, an enemy of the God of Israel, they would have said, someone who is against the law of Moses. None of that was true. Stephen was a devout child of God, and God moved in him to say these very words to these people at that point in history, and they responded with gnashing on him with their teeth. That is the response, God says, will be in view once the door is shut. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And certainly we have seen this over these days after that tribulation as people have angrily responded. They're they're so blinded by the idea that that there's no more salvation. They, They hate this teaching. They don't want to check these things out in the Bible. They don't care, some of them, that the Bible teaches spiritual judgments. They don't care that the biblical calendar of history is still in place and locked in and therefore still testifying that May 21 was indeed the day of judgment. They don't care what we might find in the scriptures. They have shut their ears, some of them, and they are in in anger and fury. They are gnashing with their teeth against any that would dare associate themselves with that kind of teaching. Now, of course, it's true, thankfully, that just as the Saul was present when this was happening in Israel long ago, right as they stoned Stephen to death, and he was there consenting unto what they were doing to him. We're we're also thankful that now at this time, even among some that are angry, that are upset at this particular teaching, that there may be true believers, God's elect, that perhaps have gotten themselves involved with the wrong crowd, and so by by that means they're uh, unwittingly participating in this kind of gnashing of teeth against the truth of his word. But certainly it's possible for some to be confused and and to be in doubt and to not know what's going on and even to say some things themselves that they might regret later. But we we have to be patient with people and wait for God to open up the eyes of his elect according to his timetable for each individual. And that may be different, just as with the end of the church age information. Some understood immediately. I remember myself after hearing it. It took a couple of weeks uh, before, uh, by God's grace, he opened my eyes and I understood what he was doing. But prior to that, when I first heard it, I also was a little angry uh, with the one bringing that news and and disturbed by that information. So it's very possible for someone to be disturbed or have an initial reaction of anger and yet later after checking it out come to realize, oh my, God is doing this. He has shut the door to heaven. 